Um, you know, when you're singing the songs, if you didn't hear, Beatrice was singing the Standing on the Promises, and uh, we went back, I had to do something with her, and she was singing back there, and um, she was singing, I can sing of your love forever. I was like, oh, she does catch on and knows these songs. So it's wonderful to know that even children can worship God. Um, and God loves children, and He loves us too. So, again, thank you for being here this morning, whether it's in person or online. We welcome you. Um, this week was quite a week again. Um, who had a good week? Who had a not-so-good week? Sometimes we have a mixture of both. Um, you know, it starts off well, then you get phone calls and, uh, about deaths and about sickness and falls and um, family members being ill or whatever it is. Um, but we, you know, we got a call yesterday about a death. Um, it's sad, uh, but we know that there's no more pain for Irene today. But we miss her. We can grieve, we can mourn, but we can also rejoice knowing that the Savior has her in her arms, her in His arms right now. Um, so we praise God for that, even though it's hard. Let's pray today as we start dive into the Word today. Oh God, we thank you so much for today. Thank you for being a God who cares for us, a God who has saved us, for sending Jesus to die for us, to take away our sins, to forgive us. Help us today to accept your word today humbly. If there's something we need to change, help us to change it. If we need to say, Jesus, I want to follow you, you are my Lord and Savior, let that be a decision made today. God, we know you are here in this place. We pray that the Holy Spirit will guide us into the truth today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello, I am learning and growing in my faith in Jesus, striving to be the person God wants me to be. That's my hello this week. I'm striving to be the person God wants me to be. How about you all? Have you been thinking of the hello I ams recently? How would you introduce yourself without using your name? And again, can we read this together as we dive into the book of James today? On three. One, two, three. Lead me, Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your path straight before me. That's what we want to do today. We want to say, God, help us. Lead us into your righteousness, not our own. Because if we followed our own, we'd probably end up not where we want to be. And God, make your path straight before us. Let that be today. Remember, James is a humble servant of God. And Jesus Christ wrote this letter that we are studying to believers that were scattered among the nations. But not just for them. He wrote it for us today. It's been preserved for us. 
This week I watched a video from the Eyewitness Bible series. They put this out. And this was from the book of James. And the character James was talking about his letter that he wrote. And he wrote, he said this in the video, speaking from James' perspective. God gave me the solution of a weapon of spiritual warfare that would be the most powerful weapon ever used. I was going to be one of the first of many people to wield this weapon. So, I needed to be a good example. What was the weapon? A simple letter. We have the letter from James. This letter has stood the test of time. James did not believe, remember, in Jesus at the beginning. He grew up with Jesus as his half-brother. He saw what Jesus did. He saw what Jesus didn't do. He was probably upset sometimes. Why is Jesus getting all the good, the good sayings to him and I'm getting all the bad? I don't know if he said that, but we can only imagine. But James believed, became a pillar in the church at Jerusalem. He had faith, but not just faith. He was faithful to put it into practice. He believed, but he also put it into practice. One writer said, James faithfully delivers to a people in grave spiritual need what he has received from God. He wrote this letter to encourage people that were in grave spiritual need to say, hey, live your faith out. You can do it. Here's some encouragement for you. As we continue to study James, remember this from my study Bible, the central theme of James, our faith determines our actions and attitudes. Our faith should determine that. Not our circumstances, not the situation we find ourselves in at work, at home, at play, but our faith in Jesus determines our actions and our attitudes. James His faith determined his actions and attitudes. And you can see it in the letter that he wrote to believers. We can can learn many things from James. And we need to continue to grow in our faith and walk in step with the Holy Spirit. Because without the Holy Spirit's help, I don't think we can get on that path that leads to life. We need the Holy Spirit to help us. And to guide us along the path that Jesus has led us on. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to James chapter 1. We're going to finish chapter 1 today. It only took us five weeks. So we're, we're cruising along. But we're going to finish chapter 1. And I have the question as the title. What does it say? Everybody together. As I wrote that question as my title, I'm like, is that proper wording English majors is it proper wording I didn't ask is this us question mark as we study this section of James do we see ourselves in it so as we study this think of that question is this us let's read it together not together but follow along as I read it verse 22 and following do not merely listen to the word And so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says 
is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. In verse 18 that we talked about maybe a couple weeks ago, James writes that God chose to give us birth through the word of truth. In verse 21, last week we looked at, James encourages believers to what? Humbly accept the word that is planted in you. And now here, James is urging the dear brothers to not just listen to the word, but to do what it says. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. You see that in verse 22. I'll put it back on the screen so we can see it. And the button, there we go. And so deceive yourselves. If you're just listening to the word and not doing what it says, you're deceiving yourselves. Deceive, you know I love definitions. Deceive means to cause to accept as true or valid what is false and invalid. Another translation you might have in front of you says fool. That means to contend or fight without serious intent or with less than full strength. Another translation you may have in front of you, delude. It means to mislead the mind or judgment of. All of these words mean the same thing. You're deceiving yourselves if you're just listening to it. You're going to deceive yourselves. You're going to fool yourselves. You're going to fight for the wrong reasons. Delude yourselves. You're going to, it's going to mislead you down the wrong path. Commentator Donald Burdick, which I quoted last week, he says this verse may well be the key verse of James's epistle. This verse may be the key verse to the whole book, the whole letter as a whole. This verse. Now if you go, now you remember James, Jesus' half-brother, probably knew what he was doing, probably knew where he was going, what he was teaching. And I've quoted this a lot in the book of James sermons. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record it, the parable of the sower. Jesus talks about a sower going out, a farmer going out and sowing seeds. And what do you do with seeds? You just scatter them, right? So the farmer's going out, scattering these seeds. Look at what these Three gospel writers write. Now it lands on different soils, correct? It's talking about the hearers of the word. Those are the types of soils. But watch what they say. 
I want to use all three of them because the one that lands on the good soil, each gospel writers give us what James is talking about. James is saying last week, humbly accept the word planted in you. Now today he's saying, James is saying, now you need to put it into practice. Go do something about what you've heard. Here's Jesus speaking about the parable of the sower in, chap- in Matthew. So it's landing on all these types of soils. The first three soils, they may hear it, but it doesn't sink down. The birds snatch it away. That's the evil one taking it away. The cares and worries of the world choke it so it's not bearing any fruit. Look at this one. It lands on the good soil in Matthew. But the seed falling on the good soil refers to someone who hears the word, understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. So they hear it, and they understand it, and it produces a crop. Going to Mark, chapter 4, same parable, the gospel writer here says, Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some thirty, some sixty, some hundred times what was sown. So they accept the word and produce a crop. The gospel writer of Luke says this, But the seed on good soil, Jesus said, stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by preserving or persevering produce a crop. All three gospel writers Write the same thing Jesus was teaching about the parable of the sower. Matthew says, hears the word and understands it. Gospel writer of Mark says, hears the word, accepts it. Luke writes, hears the word, retains it, and by persevering produces a crop. Is there just hearing on the good soil? Is there just a hearing of it? No, it's not. James is saying do not merely listen to the word. The good soil that is planted in you, if it's planted in you, you understand it, you accept it, you retain it, and you live it out and produce a crop. James, I believe, I want to believe that James heard Jesus speak the parable of the sower and he remembered it. And said, my brother taught about this. I want to encourage the believers that might have not been there that day with the same principle. Don't just hear it, but accept it, understand it, and live it out. One writer said this week I read, the doer of the word is being changed by what they hear. When you go to your Bible, when you go to the Word of God and read it, or hear it, are you changed by it? Or do you read it and say, oh, that's good, but mm, putting back on my shelf. I don't need to change anything. As we read or listen to the Word of God, let us put what we hear into practice. Because there's a world out there that needs us to be salt and light to the world. 
The Holy Spirit guides us into the truth and leads us as we live out our faith. If we're not keeping in step with the Holy Spirit, I don't think we're going to be very productive. The fruit's not going to produce. If we want to do it on our own path, our own strength, we can't do it. If you turn over one page in your Bibles, maybe two, Hebrews chapter 11. Now, you know it by what? If you, sh- if you know Hebrews 11, what do you think of? How would you title it? Faith. Who says the faith chapter? Okay. That's how I remember it. It's all about faith, right? The faith chapter. But you know what? A listener that I, I heard somebody, the same uh, eyewitness thing I quoted earlier. You know what the character of James was saying? He said, Hebrews 11, you think of it as the faith chapter. But it should be titled, Faith in Action chapter. They had faith. They heard the word. They heard this message. They just didn't hear it, though. They put it into action. That's what James is talking about. C.C. Crawford, a Christian teacher and preacher, wrote, True Christians are living epistles of Christ. Remember the greatest weapon James quoted in the Eyewitness series was a letter? He wrote this letter. It's the best weapon there is. But C.C. Crawford says, True Christians are living letters of Christ. They're going out and living what they need to be living out and encouraging other people to do the same. So don't just merely listen. Do what it says. It's hard to do, I know. I read the Bible, I study in my office, and I say, wow, that is hard. Holy Spirit, that thing you want me to do right now is hard and challenging. I don't want to do it. But when you step and you walk with the Holy Spirit and you do the thing that needs to be done, you'll be blessed. And we're going to talk about that later. But you'll be blessed at what you do. Verses 23 to 25 kind of give us in contrast. Who likes contrast? I love contrast. You have this on one side and you contrast it with another thing. You go back and forth. What's different about it? What's the same? And you feel it out and you study it out. James is giving a contrast here of those who listen to the word and not being a doer and with the other person that says they hear the word but they do what it says. So there's a contrast. The two, there's two of them, right? You see two different people in this section. There's two of them. They're both looking into the mirror. They're both looking into the same mirror. Okay? And that mirror is God's word, I believe. The mirror of God's word. One person looks into it. He's looking into the mirror and seeing himself in it. And what does the one person do? He walks away and immediately forgets what they saw. Now, who looked in the mirror this morning? Maybe everybody. I try not to sometimes because I don't want to see myself. But you look into the mirror. You may have a dirt clob or something, food in your teeth. 
something's on your face that you need to fix. And you fix it. Your hair needs to fix. You will do it right away, correct? You don't want to walk away with a dirty face or toothpaste on your cheek or whatever. You fix it and you walk away with the change. But this person looks at himself in the mirror and says, I need to change that and walks away and forgets what he looks like. Doesn't change what he needs to change. In the Holman Christian Standard Bible, looking at his own face in a mirror, you see that in verse 23. Looks at his face in the mirror. There's a footnote in the Holman Christian Standard Bible. And the footnote said this. Literally, it means looking at the face of his birth in a mirror. Remember verse 18 that we studied two weeks ago? James 1.18, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth. Literally, this means the man, the woman, the person is looking in the mirror at their birth face, their spiritual birth face. And they walk away and forget who they are, what they look like. God chose to give us birth. So you go to the mirror. If you're looking at your spiritual birth face, who are you looking at? Are you looking at yourself? Or are you looking at a changed person that says, I am changed. I am spiritually in Christ. So this person goes to the mirror, looks at himself, herself, at the spiritual birth face and says, "Ah, I need to change. I need to do this. I need to do that. Walks away and doesn't remember what they look like. Wow. Have we ever done that before? We're reading the Bible. We're reading God's word. It says, you are in Christ. You need to do this. You need to walk in step with the Spirit. And we're saying, yes, we need to do that. And then you go out, drive to work, or play with your kids or grandkids or spend time with your spouse and you just forget what you read and don't change what needs to be changed. That's the hearer who hears, looks in the mirror and just says, nope, I don't want to do it. But the other person, look at this, the other person looks intently into the mirror the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it. Did you catch that? Looks intently and continues in it. They don't forget what they heard or read. They do not forget it. And it says they will be blessed in what they do. They look intently and they hear it, and they change and do what it says. So two examples that I found 
Do you ever, when you're, st I'm studying in my office every week, and it seems like everything I read, everything I watch, everything that comes on the radio, um, everything that somebody says in a post on Facebook, you're, you're getting what you're studying. Does that ever happen to you or it only happens to me? This week I was getting bombarded with things that were talking about mirrors, listening, doing, and changing. So I want to give you a couple of those because everyday things you do, you can search and be like, wait a second, that is what I'm learning in my Bible reading. This is a lesson that I'm learning while reading a book or watching a show or even watching sports with the commentators. Two examples this week. You might have heard this before. If you haven't, you don't have to go listen to it, but it's okay if you do. I sometimes listen to Michael Jackson. And he has a song, Man in the Mirror. Here's a line from Man in the Mirror. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways, and no message could have been any clearer. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and then make a change. Now, I'm not saying Michael Jackson looked at the Bible and said, I need to change this. But if we took that line and said, I'm going to start with what I see in the mirror myself. I can't look at another person's reflection. If I look in the mirror, I'm not going to see Gerald's face. Correct, Gerald? I'm not going to see your face. I'm not going to see anybody's face in this if it's just me looking in the mirror. Unless you come and sneak behind me and I'll see you. But if I'm looking in the mirror, I can't say, well, that person's going to change and do something about that, so I don't have to do it. I know somebody else is going to take care of it. But if I'm looking in the mirror, and we just take Michael Jackson's advice. He didn't write it, but there was writers. But if you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself. Yourself. What can you do to change and make a world just a little bit better? The other example, I was reading Andre Agassi. Anybody know who Andre Agassi is? Tennis player. Nobody knows who Andre is? A couple of you, okay. My mom loved tennis, so I watched tennis. It was on the TV. Even though she wasn't watching it, it was on. But Andre Agassi, American tennis player, one of the best... And if you read this book, he didn't like tennis that much. Because his parents, made, his father wanted him to do it. But this is when he was 25 or 26 years old. He's, he's trying to, he had long hair, earrings. Long hair was his thing. But it was a hair piece. Like some of it wasn't his real hair because he was losing hair. And he was dating a girl and she said, you should just cut it, just shave it. So he did, and this is what he said when he walked to the mirror. I walk to the mirror. I see a person I don't recognize. Before me stands a total stranger. My reflection isn't different. It's simply not me. But really, what have I lost? Maybe I'll have an easier time being this guy. All this time with Brad trying to fix what's in my head, it never occurred to me to fix what's on my head. I smile at my reflection, run a hand over my scalp. Hello, nice to meet you. 
He goes on, My hairpiece was a shackle, and my natural hair, grown to absurd lengths, dyed different, three different colors, was a weight as well, holding me down. Now the sham is lying on the ground next to me. I feel well rid of it. I feel true. I feel free. He looks in the mirror after shaving his hair off and says, I'm different. The reflection is the same, but I feel different. I feel well. I feel rid of something that was weighing me down. What do we do after looking into the mirror of God's word? Do we make a change? Or do we just put it aside and say, somebody else will do that. I'm sure of it. Somebody else will do that. It's not me that needs to do that. What do we do after looking into the mirror? Verses 26 and 27. James here brings in speech. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, their speech, deceive themselves. And their religion is worthless. James, we're going to get in chapter 3 a lot more about speech, so we're not going to go into grave detail here. But chapter 3 is talking about the tongue, the speech, a little more detail. But James wants those who are hearing what he has to say to think about what they speak. Last week I mentioned the phrase, think before you speak. James is saying, you need to think about your speech. Words matter. Words are powerful. Words bring life and death. If we can't keep a tight rein on our tongues, we can't control what comes out of our mouths, and we call ourselves religious, we call ourselves followers of Jesus, then our religion is worthless, futile, barren, meaning no fruit gets produced. If our speech is out of control, I don't think producing fruit's going to happen. If you're always complaining, if you're always arguing, if you're always you know, upset about something, it's not going to bring anything good. In a workplace, in your home, in a church, at a gathering of some sort, in the grocery store, at the clerk, if you're checking out, if your speech is horrible, it's not going to bring any fruit. And that's why I brought in Psalm 141 last week, verse 3. Our prayer should be this. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Proverbs 18.21 The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You know words. Words have the power of life and death. Have you ever been hurt by words? Have you ever hurt someone with words? Have you ever brought life to someone by words? Or been brought life by someone else's words? Words matter to God. So here's a question for us all. How is our speech? In Sunday school today, we talked about salt and light. As salt, 
Do we enhance conversations? Do we build each other up? Do we help people see what they need to change or kind of give them a warning or give them encouragement to say, this is what God says. This is how Jesus taught it. Our words matter. We may not think they matter, but they matter. Some of the most powerful things that have happened in my life, getting a text message is just a short phrase from somebody that says, I'm praying for you, or you know, a verse they f- text you or email you, or they call you up and say, I was just thinking about you, just wanted to say hi, how you doing? Those matter. Those are powerful moments. Do we do that? Do we encourage each other with our words? Or does our words, the things we say, if people saw us and heard us, would they say, I don't think you are a follower of Jesus. Not with those words. During seminary, I had a, we had a friend, me and Kelsey had a family friend. And this person... Um, Sometimes said the wrong words. But every time she said one, she said, Oh, I'm sorry, Keith. I'll try not to do that again. So she had this in her mind that said, I need to change my speech. Do we encourage others to change their speech? In the workplace, do we go into the workplace and there's gossip or rumors going on? Do you say, Can I listen in? And then you participate? Or do we say, can you stop that? The person's not even here. Can we stop that? Or do we just let it go? Our words matter. How is our speech? And now, verse 27. Hardest verse. For myself. It was the most, it's the most challenging one in chapter one. For me, I don't know about you, but it's one of the hardest ones. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. James, why do you have to end this section with that? It's so challenging. Look after orphans and widows. Love toward the needy, and the most vulnerable in our society and communities should be visited and looked after. Their needs must be met. How can we live this out if we don't know who the needy and most vulnerable in our society is? When I was sitting at my desk, I was like, who is the most needy? Who's the most vulnerable in our society, our community? I don't know. So our first step needs to be knowing who they are, 
knowing who those needy and most vulnerable in our society are and to identify them, and then we need to visit them and look after them, taking care of their needs. That's what James is saying. Reach the Forgotten Jail Ministry, um, their newsletter. I was reading it, and it said this. They have a printing press communication. They print stuff out and get it out to people to know what the mission is all about. And it says this. Each print piece is fun to work on. The appeals give us an opportunity to try out different styles and delivery methods. The newsletters are enjoyable as they show the mission of Reach the Forgotten, giving light, hope, and love to those whose society may overlook or write off. Do we know who the most needy and most vulnerable people in our society are? The people that may get overlooked. Going back to earlier, the, the, the thing we say, oh, somebody else is going to take care of that. I don't need to go help that person because I know somebody else will. It's challenging to look after those people who need to be looked after. We lived in Louisville, Kentucky for six years, and there was a lot of homeless people. I don't know the situations of all of them, but you see them on the street. They come up to you. They ask you, I need money. Do we help them all? We can't help them all, can we? But there are times when a person comes up to you and they say, I need this. I need it now. Can you help me? Do we say, I can help you? Or do we say, I need to go in the store. I need to go home to my family. I don't have time for you right now. man come up to me one time I probably didn't do it in the right way but it happened the guy came up to me I was getting out of my van at the grocery store I needed to get a few things I look in my review mirror and I see him coming to my van I'm like oh no if that's the first thought you know like you had the wrong attitude I was like oh no what's he going to say I get out of my car I start walking toward the back of the van and toward the grocery store, he stops me and says, I am hungry. I said to him, I have to run in the store. Can you meet me at McDonald's down the road? And I'll buy you a meal. Now, I should have said, let's go down to McDonald's right now. I'll get you a meal, and then come back and shop. I didn't do that. I said, meet me at McDonald's. I'll be there in 10 minutes, and I'll buy you breakfast. In my own mind, I'm like, oh, no. I just put the trust on him to trust me to say I'm going to meet you at the McDonald's while I'm walking into Kroger. I'm like, no, what did I just do? But my thing, I'm, I'm going to meet the guy. 
did my shopping. We get to Walmart or we get to McDonald's. He's there. Go through the drive-through. I hand him the the meal. We say a few words, and he says thank you. But looking back, I could have done it better. What if he never came to the McDonald's? He wouldn't have got the meal. I probably wouldn't have stayed there all day waiting for him. But what if I just said, okay, McDonald's is like a quarter of a mile. Let's walk there together. I'll buy you a meal. Here we go. Do we make decisions about feeding or looking after the needy or the most vulnerable in society? James is saying the orphans and widows. But it could be needy and most vulnerable. Who are they? We need to help them out. That's challenging. But then you get to the last section, the last phrase. Even more challenging, to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Galatians 5.16, Paul writes, So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't let the world pollute you. There's a lot of stuff out there. You turn on the the news station, you turn on the radio, you you drive down the street. The world pollutes you. And James is saying, don't allow yourself to be polluted by the world. It's challenging. That last verse of this chapter is the most challenging for me. And maybe you. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world is the hardest one for me. How are we doing with that? Today, I want to give you five takeaways. Is this us? Number one, put into practice what you hear from the Word of God. Put it into practice. Number two, when you hear the Word or read the Word of God, notice the things you need to change and change them. If something needs to be changed in your life, say, I need to change it, and I'm going to do it now. I'm not going to walk away and forget. Number three, be wise and discern what should come out of your mouth. Words are important. They bring life or death. Number four, visit the needy in the world around us and take care of them. Friday morning, I help with our kids' homeschool while Kelsey is at Ladies of Light Bible study. So I'm helping Kezia with her math. She, in her textbook, she does problems, and then at the end it says, this is the letter you need to put down here to make a phrase. So you finish a problem, you put the letter in the phrase. You know what the phrase said at the bottom of her page? Help the needy. What a way to end the week. From a math textbook, 
filling out her problems and saying, it's just filling in the letters of the answer. Help the needy. Okay. I need to help the needy, God. Show me who they are. And number five, keep yourself from being polluted by the world. Hardest thing to do, I know. But those are five things we can take away from this section of James, encouraging us to not just listen, but to do what it says. Today, do you know Jesus as your Savior? I hope you do. If you're a follower of Jesus, does your faith determine your actions and attitudes? If you're not a follower of Jesus, today might be that day that you say, I want to begin this journey following Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Remember, Jesus taught the path that leads to life is hard. It's difficult. The road is narrow and few find it. Are you one to say, I need to get on that path that leads to life? If anyone needs to make a decision this morning, I want you to do it. I urge you to do it. I encourage you to do it. Whether you give your life to Jesus, whether it's making changes in your life, saying, I need to change this, whether it's coming to say, I need prayer. It's the hardest thing for me to ask for prayer. I I ask, but sometimes I'm like, I don't want to. It's... It's hard to ask for help. It's hard to ask for prayer sometimes. But if you need prayer, we're here to pray with you. I'll end with this, going back to the eyewitness Bible from the perspective of James. He says, I just had to have the experiences and desire to guide my flock and all future Christians with a little practical wisdom by the use of the most powerful weapon ever devised. A letter. Pray with me today. God, thank you for James and the letter he wrote to encourage followers of Jesus to live out their faith, not just to hear it and listen to it and put it away and walk away and say, I I don't need to change. But thank you for James and his encouragement to invite us to say, I want to change this and I'm going to live it out. I'm going to make an impact on the world for Jesus. Thank you for who you are, for sending Jesus to die for our sins. I pray if somebody needs to say, Lord, I need you to save me today. I pray that that would happen. I pray that we would encourage each other through prayer, through songs, through words of encouragement in our week. And help us to visit the needy and the most vulnerable in the society. If we don't know who they are, help us to identify them and to live out our faith, not just hear it. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.